Welcome to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Shihan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Shihan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sudbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Shihan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Well, happy Friday. Welcome to Kuden. I'm Eric White, joined by... Oh, it's, it's sunny, but I'm going to go ahead and hit the stop button on the music because I think it's still playing in the background. There we go. That's right. it. There we go. All right. Awesome. We need a fade on that or something. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's a little louder than I expected at the end there. But, uh, it should have well, faded we out. Did it as a, well, when we did it as a podcast, you know, you just added that on. And uh, so here we are now as a, doing this as an Internet radio show. And, uh, well, we'll talk about the reception on that here in a bit but anyway yeah it's cool so uh it's actually warm and uh very warm over here um i feel like i'm in california without um, <laughs> with the exception of the humidity and i can't hear the ocean so yeah yeah, uh, yeah. well so anyway, we, uh, we welcome everybody we welcome everybody to kuda and you know kind of the the end of that little open there talks about questions and the whole you know kind of push towards being able to do this live with people interacting live while we do this call as opposed to pre-recording the podcast is, is giving people the chance to have their questions answered and uh, ahead of this uh, episode beginning we we had a gentleman by the name of Robert, who posted to the Facebook page, and I think Robert, due to some work stuff, I think he's not able to be right live on the call. Maybe he is. Maybe he's one of the webcast folks, and he just hasn't raised his hand yet. But um, you know, he he had a couple of questions that he was looking forward to being answered on the call, and if he couldn't join it, he'd know he would get it by listening to the replay. So I'd love to start off with just kind of Robert's questions and 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 speaking to them. So. Uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go ahead in here and, and read Robert's question, and we can start right in on it. His first question is uh, self-defense, and he says mental, psychological related. He said, what would be your advice in keeping ego in check and walking away from fights? He says, I rarely have anyone invade my space, but I, I get into confrontations quite a bit. Most of them are not really attackers, but it's a pride thing, he says, and usually just all talk or an occasional challenge. He says, I'm... Uh, I mind my own business, and it always starts with a stare down. The guy may start running his mouth, accusing me of something he's doing. It's crazy, really, he says. But uh, they will try to provoke when I did nothing to them. They will always say, I have a problem, not them. I'll be honest. That He says, I do stare back, uh, you know, if ignoring them doesn't work. But uh, I look at it as just standing up for myself, says Robert. And also my problem is, is not ego or pride, it's anger. He says, I start to feel anger because I always feel singled out when all I want is to be left alone. I then want to retaliate back, but don't want the trouble. But it makes me angry because I, I consider myself a peaceful guy and I'm happy with my life, but I can't seem to be left alone. So he says he'd like to discuss this further. And this is just his first question. So uh, Robert, awesome question. I love all the detail here. Uh, to just kind of get us started, um, maybe before I, I, I made a couple notes, kind of getting ready for this this question and to kind of speak to it. You know, my first things are kind of what's the environment he's in, you know, uh, what's his demeanor, and and I, I know you can speak to probably this uh, in, in great detail, sir. But you know, what is anger and when is what is, what is right anger versus just this kind of pop up anger? So. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just thinking the whole. Uh, while you were reading that thing and uh, me rereading uh, Robert's question here that uh, there have been times in my life where I've felt like a shit magnet, um, let's be honest. Um, if, if folks are bothered by the language or the laughter that you and I tend to throw into this, they're probably listening to the wrong uh, show. So anyway, uh, but I, I felt like that myself. Um, 
but from our uh, Nikyo training and those avenues from philosophy and all that, uh, and even from Hatsumi Sensei's own writing, right? Hatsumi Sensei uh, wrote an article a long time ago. I mean, I've been training since, what, 1980, 81, something like that. So uh, he wrote an article called uh, Pride Goes Before the Fall, right? Hmm. And uh, the, the gist of it was in uh, having something that we feel the need to protect, right? Uh, from the Nikyo perspective, uh, there's really two types of anger. There's what's known as Vajra anger, which is crisp, clear, clean. It happens and then it goes away, but it is selfless, right? which sounds kind of odd for a lot of folks, but that's also why this stuff is called crazy wisdom. Uh, so there's that, and then there's this samsaric or everyday anger. Uh, and the difference between the two is whether ego is there or not. Okay, so uh, and this is not a singling out of Robert or anybody. This is a soul searching kind of thing for uh, for everybody, right? Um, and so uh, the the feelings that that he's expressing, and I'm not here to psychoanalyze anybody, but uh, we there, there are a lot of keys in here. So uh, the feelings that come up and how you're identifying that. Uh, you know, feeling being singled out, well, you know, you are, right? But uh, why, right? So is it, uh, you know, if one person, two people, three people say that I look angry all the time or that I uh, look bored or whatever, right? I can usually dismiss that because uh, it could be just a personality conflict. It could be a misunderstanding. It could be how they process things, right? Uh, but if it happens consistently, then it's time for me to not look out into the world. It's time for me to look into a mirror, right? And whether that's an actual physical mirror to see if maybe uh, there's something to that look. I mean, if other people ended up looking like that, right, um, body posture, uh, you know, how the eyes are, are uh, not, 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 it's just not about shape. This is... This is about how we're communicating and, and what we're putting out there, right? Um, but anyway, if, if it's more than, you know, two or three people, then it's probably something that we, we need to look into, right? So, uh, and again, you know, uh, Robert said it's not a pride thing. It's an anger thing. But see, I, pride and anger and ignorance all go together, right? On the mandala, there are the three poisons and uh, in the Tibetan iconography, they're all biting each other's tails, which means that they, they feed each other and they chase each other, right? Or they come, uh, they, they give birth to each other, right? So uh, pride isn't just pride. It's also passion uh, or misdirected desire, that kind of thing, right? So um, on the mandala, pride actually resides in the wind realm, but anger resides in the water realm. So they're, you know, they, one gives birth to the other. And in, in the way the model is laid out from an ancient psychology kind of thing, um, pride, egoistic pride, having something that we're in need of protecting or not letting other people see or things that make us uncomfortable, that kind of thing, right, that we want to cover up. Uh, when those things are at risk of being exposed, anger is one of those things that steps up as a defensive action. Right, so anger actually uh, resides on the mandala in the same realm uh, where uh, defensiveness is. Okay? So, and again, we don't have nearly enough time to <laughs> scratch the surface on these things. And, you know, some people like it, some people don't. When I point to certain programs that we have or whatever, um, you know, we've got the first seven steps on the path of the Buddha. We've got Ninja Mind, all that kind of stuff that goes into this stuff way more in depth. And those programs, when I put them out live, they were what, two-hour classes maybe once yeah. a week for ten weeks or something like that. So, yeah, um, not easy to go through. So, um, the, the, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this with two uh, from two perspectives. One is external, one is internal. Okay, because all this stuff, uh, and we're gonna talk about this again as the as the show goes on. Uh, I'm gonna relate this stuff to uh, the three aspects of a ninja that Hatsumi Sensei first expounded on in the West in the book, Need to History and Tradition. And it's in the back, uh, and he broke this thing down into three sections. Uh, Miwo Shinobu, the body capable of enduring, right? 
uh, Kokoro Shinobu, the mind capable of enduring, and Shiko Shinobu, uh, the, the perspective, right, internal, external perspective, and being mindful of making sure that they match, right, so that um, uh, we're not living one way inside and then expressing something completely different on the outside, but we're really trying to mask all that internal stuff. But it's also making sure that what we're doing on the inside matches the greater universal scheme and we're living according to these natural laws. So anyway, um, internal, external, right? So the first suggestion would be to uh, do the, what I call the why uh, exercise, okay? So, uh, you know, when these things kind of come, come up, or are you just sitting around? If you're just, uh, if you're familiar with doing meditation, there's a type of meditation called Deepashana or insight-based meditation where you pull in something like this, right, and or several of these incidents, right, and then you watch how it at, uh, plays out, and you know what the chain of events is, right, and then anger comes in. See, I, I can relate to that in the past, right? Now, right, I have to fight uh, giggling because of that peacock posturing that this person is doing. So generally, I just remove myself from the environment because – Here's this. Here's one of those things from the pride things. I don't have to be right. Okay? I already know me. I know what I'm about. I know if somebody calls me a name or says that I'm one thing or another or whatever, I already know that that's not true. So I have no need to defend against that thing because I don't. It's it's not a hot button for me. I don't I don't fear that that's true. I don't believe that it might be true. I don't feel a need to defend it. Um, and it may not be that as a conscious thing. Uh, for some folks, it's not the, the obvious thing. It's the, this guy's now challenging me, and I'm afraid that other people around me might believe this guy and might believe it to be true. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, now it's an image thing, and it's more related to, uh, you know, how other people think of me and, and whatever, right? So I might be able to get around the first layer of this karmic action going on where I can ignore him, but I may not be able to ignore this other thing. And unfortunately, this secondary karma, right, these these other avenues may be unconscious or subconscious. So that's the point of this meditation where we can bring this stuff up to the surface and then we can explore it. But the why exercise is in first determining why I get upset. Because we can't fix something until we find the root cause. Anything else is just putting a Band-Aid on it or hiding it, right? So uh, it's it's discovering why, all right? Uh, now, that's the omote. That's the obvious frontal kind of thing. But we don't just rely on those because there are probably other things underlying that initial why. Okay? And as my uh, Nikyo teacher told me, way, way, way back, um, any answer that has a fine or any question that has a finite answer, that that seems like it's it, that answer is a bad answer, okay? Because enlightenment lies in answers, not in questions. And to have that to be true, we need either uh, very quality quantitative or qualifying questions to produce better answers, or we need to recognize that the answer may seem like it's it, but there may be things under that. So the full why exercise that I get people is in asking why five times. And I'm here to tell you, whether it's Robert or anybody else, um, ego doesn't like those kind of things because you told ego to watch out for certain things, consciously or unconsciously, and it's watching out for things to protect you from those things that you don't want to have to deal with. Okay? So it is kind of a century. Right, so it will even protect you against you. But the why five times part of the exercise is you ask why you get angry. In this case, why I get angry, right? Um, but then whatever that answer is, you ask why to that, and then you ask why to that, and why to that, and why to that. Okay. So what you're really trying to do is bore all the way down to things that you may not even know is going on. Okay. Uh, but this is this is the first level of training in the Togakure school, right, where the 18 levels of ninja training, which, of course, is on top of the 18 levels of samurai training. But um, the first of the 18 levels is Seishin Teki, spiritual refinement, personal clarity, 
understanding why I do what I do. Once I get that, then I can decide whether I'm going to fix certain things, reinforce certain things, enhance certain things. But it's much, much harder for somebody to goad me into action if I know me better than anybody. Right? And we think we know we, we think we know ourselves, but what we often find is that we've concealed ourselves more from ourselves than from anybody else. Everybody else can see these things because they peek out when we're not paying attention. Right. So that's the that's the internal one, right? The external one is and nobody ever likes to hear this because they like to absolutely free control of their lives, is <laughs> let's go back to mom and dad's answer, right? Don't go to those places. Mm-hmm. Don't put yourself in front of that person. If that person is there, get up and leave, right? Um, you can't have a one-sided fight. And the reality is, if you're not there, I mean, unless you're being targeted, unless it's specifically you, and that's one of those whys. Is it you? And if it's you, now we need to figure out why it's you, right? Is there something from the past this person keeps bringing forward? Is there something around the rumor mill? Uh, whatever it is, right? Is it the way you look, stand, walk, dress, whatever, all that dumb shit, immature stuff, right? But, you know, we need to figure those things out, right? But um, if we're if we're not in front of this person, you know, you don't have a one-sided fight, okay? They can't go mm-hmm. into action, or the goading is you're walking out. Now, if you are being targeted, right, it's very difficult to avoid the whole targeting thing. And believe me, I get the standing up for yourself. But the, my question is, is how long do you put up with something until you feel the need to stand up for yourself? So, and that comes in two two forms. One is we jump too soon, and another because we won't tolerate anything, right? Or we wait too long and we know that the irritation itself right, will spark me into action, and then I create a situation, right? So, uh, you know, same thing with the avoiding their stare and stuff like that. You wait long enough, and then finally it's gone too long for you, and then you start staring back, right? But what happens if you go farther than you normally do? What happens if you just continue to ignore the person? Do they elevate it or escalate it and become the undisputable opponent or the undisputable attacker or are they just doing it enough to goad you so that it's now a fight? It's not a self-defense situation, right? But how long have you waited? Perseverance, endurance, nin, okay? You're able to wait longer than anybody else, okay? That's the kokoro shinobu. Right? The mind capable of enduring. Right? And sometimes the challenge is enduring our own ghosts, our own demons, our own need to act out in a from anger or pride or ignorance or desire, whatever it is. Right? Sometimes we have to be able to put up with it. Uh, I have this artwork, and I, Eric, I think, uh, well, I think you were around when I bought it. I uh, bought it one year when we were in Japan, and it's this calligraphy that I found in this shop. And these two uh, symbols, they they're, they look completely different, right? The one mm-hmm. you'd recognize because it's the nin from ninja, right? Mm-hmm. So we get that one, but the other one, but they both are pronounced nin, right? So nin nin, what the hell is that, right? But this is a, a type of artwork where uh, two kanji or two concepts are brought in or whatever that are brought together that would not normally form a sentence or a word or anything like that, but it's a meditation device, right? You're supposed to look into it. You're supposed to ponder it. You're supposed to uh, learn from it, right? So here's this nin-nin, right? And both of the kanji both mean perseverance or enduring, okay? So what does that mean? That means that this means to endure, enduring, or to persevere, persevering? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. One of the most difficult things that you will find, right, just like a sniper. Somebody goes to sniper school. They may have to lay there for days in their own waist in a ghillie suit to wait for the perfect shot. If you can't do that, you're dead, okay? So in this case, 
one of the most difficult things as a ninja that we have to learn to be able to do is to endure the process of enduring. And so if we can't leave, if I get up to go and leave and it escalates, that tells me something, right? Now I have to defend myself, right? I'm being targeted. If I ignore them for an extra 5, 10, 15 minutes, right? It's going to seem like hell because you're going beyond your own comfort zone. You've already told ego that this could have been conscious or subconscious, right? Programming comes in lots of forms. But you've already told ego that you're only going to put up with so much stuff from certain types of people for so long before, damn it, you're going to make sure they understand what you really stand for. And then when that time ticks down, ding, right? This what I call click were response occurs because I'm old and computers used to have these digital tape kind of things and you'd push a button that clicked and this tape would spin. So click were. So what you're actually doing is running a pre-programmed subroutine um, mm. and acting from past experience, right? Mm. So this is uh, people want to know how to cut this thing um, in in the in the Buddhist teachings in the Mikyo teachings. And if you're freaked out by these words, um, either go read books or don't listen to me because uh, I'm not suggesting that you change religion. Um, and again, that was, yes, that was a sharp cut. So anyway, mm-hmm. there's this uh, teaching device for karma that's called the 12-fold chain of dependent origination. Just a fancy tool for teaching uh, karma, cause and effect kind of thing, right? And so it starts with ignorance. And ignorance here doesn't mean stupidity because stupid people, people with Diminished mental capacity cannot engage in this type of training because they lack the ability to uh, process knowledge um, at, at a certain level. And it doesn't mean that they can't live a good life and all that kind of stuff. It just means that they can't they can't see beyond surface level things. Okay, so ignorance here doesn't mean stupid. It means not knowing any better. Okay, um, just missing pieces of information. So the first link is ignorance. The second link is volition. What that means is that ignorance, not knowing, mis, misinformation, um, misdirected desire, whatever, right, gives way to action or activity that is flawed from its very root, okay, because we don't have any other options, right? We don't know any better. We don't see things from a, from a position of clarity or wisdom or enlightenment, so... Ignorance begets ignorant actions. And then it goes along through, uh, that gives birth to consciousness, that gives birth to name and form, what we call things, all the way around uh, to where you'll find uh, a link for uh, uh, desire and then grasping and then becoming and all that. So if you read the, the, most of the books that are put out, the, the common lesson is that you have to extinguish ignorance. Okay. I don't know what's bouncing around. Is that on your end, or it sounds like somebody's playing the uh, magician's cup and balls? But uh, uh, hmm. I don't hear any foam balls. Anyway, I don't know what it is. Anyway, so um, there's this uh, uh, there's this thing where you're supposed to extinguish ignorance. The problem with this is that ignorance is coming from such a subconscious, unconscious level that we're never aware of the ignorance until it manifests out in the world, okay? So cutting the chain at ignorance is very, very difficult, right? So what I was taught was you're not going to cut the chain at ignorance on that thing. You're just not going to let the loop continue. So where we become, if we are mindfully aware of ourselves and our actions and what's going on in this moment, because here's the situation again, right? I'm in shit magnet mode again, and here's, you know, Joe Goober guy uh, trying to incite something, right? So here it is. So this gives me an opportunity to watch myself and watch what's going on and recognize when that desire and grasping starts to occur. Grasping could be, and grasping is, most people think of it as just reaching out and grabbing something, right? But it could be, but what it's really about is um, if, if my normal habitual mode in this context, is to avoid, that's what I do. I, I start to avoid. If it's to reach out and touch somebody, then I do that. If it's to grab mm. a second ice cream cone or whatever, that's what I do, okay? So that's when we start to recognize the internal wiring and the internal uh, habit pattern 
that click were response, that's when yeah. we recognize it. And if we're mindful in that moment, we can nix it. And what we can do is stop and say, is this the most appropriate thing for this moment? Will this thing that I'm about to do produce the outcome that I really want, or will it, again, produce the outcome I keep getting? If you keep doing what you've always done, you will keep getting what you've always gotten. It's a nice Western way of paraphrasing or summarizing the entire 12-fold chain of dependent origination. Because if you reach out and do the same thing, the next link is becoming, right? What you will become is another you that's even better and more programmed and more entrenched in that same habit pattern because you just did it again. Hmm. If you cut the link, you're what are you going to become? You're going to become somebody with another option. Because by doing something different, you now load that experience into your subconscious storehouse, right, or your um, uh, Hina Vijnana. You're going to load that in as another option. So it's not always the same things. Yeah. Right? It's one of, the, one of the benefits of kata training, right? To keep us from doing the same stuff we've always done, we go find a teacher who gives us these techniques that we may not fully understand, but you do it because that's what, that's what you know, you, you want to be a, a master, you want to be an expert, you want to be better. You've sought out somebody better, so they're going to show you how to do it smarter, faster, better, whatever. Uh, yeah. Don't question it in the beginning. Just do that thing so that you're loading up your subconscious storehouse with more options. And the whole idea behind Nikyo meditation is using visualization. So you don't even need to be sitting in that environment, wherever it happens to be where you're being goaded. Uh, you don't need to be sitting there physically waiting for the next time to happen. You can literally sit down and visualize yourself in that place with the people you're normally with, this thing starts, and it leads up to the moment where you have that shoulda, woulda, coulda moment, right? And you want to keep ego in check or whatever it is you want to do, right? What you're really looking for is another option. And at that point in the movie, you play film editor, and you clip off the end of the movie at that point. Because everything's fine leading up to that. Or maybe yeah. it isn't. Maybe everything's leading up to I feel myself starting to get angry. So you back up a few frames, and you clip it off at there, and then you visualize yourself doing other things, and you watch it resolve differently, right? So the cool thing about the subconscious mind is it, it can't tell the difference between what's going on and what you can see in your inner eye, your inner realm. It can't tell the difference between that and what your eyes actually see out in the real world. So by using this visualization technique, you can actually load your subconscious storehouse with other options and other experiences, other outcomes that didn't really happen out here in the world, but they're going to be in your subconscious memory, and you're more likely to be able to grab one of those as a potential option instead of always grabbing the ones that – because every time you do the same thing the same way, it's not like there's only one of them in there. That new experience that was done the same way gets dropped in as another seed okay yeah. it's dropped in as another one and another one next thing you know you got 500 of the same option in there right it's kind of like looking at one of those uh those machines where it has the claw that comes down and grabs the the animal right yeah i don't think they'd be nearly as popular if there were everything that was in there were pink teddy bears but if there were pink teddy bears but there was a green one in there and you wanted the green one god you hope, have to hope it's not all buried it has to be sitting on top but the more of different things that are in there, the more choices, the more options you have in any given moment to grab the one that will be right and appropriate for the moment, which is at the very beginning of the lessons, right? Okay. The same thing with pulling kata or techniques or skills. We don't pull favorites. We, through clarity, we watch what's really going on. We assess the situation, and we fit in based on an end result that we would like to produce. Okay? So you don't just grab one because you know it. As your mom always said, just because you know something or just because you can doesn't mean you should. So anyway, I know that was a long-winded answer to one <laughs> question, and I think I just ate up half of our 
Our, it should uh, give uh, it should give Robert plenty to review. I think it should <laughs> give everybody plenty to review. Listens to it, yeah. But uh, and and see, here's the here's the great benefit to submitting the question. So um, and Robert smartly enough sent two. <laughs> he thought, well, well, I'm going to get one in. I'll get two. Um, yeah. His well, at this question, point, I don't know that we can get to the second one. Uh, maybe at the end, and and if nobody else has one. But yeah. uh, we have some other stuff that's planned. So how about if we do that? That's and true. Robert, if we can't get to it to this one. Um, we've got, we'll have time on another one, or maybe I'll get a, a personal answer back to you. Uh, but right. at the moment, uh, let's, let's just shift a little bit. I apologize, but I, that was like a huge, huge yeah. answer to, uh, to this, what appear, what appears to be a simple question. Um, but the simple questions usually have the, uh, they have the most work that needs to be done on them. Mm. Very true. So, well, you know, this this other part, <laughs> this other part of the, the show, really, I think we wanted to get into addressing and again some interaction here with the show is that uh, somebody, you know, is kind of uh, saw our post about this and and calling this a radio talk show and kind of uh, I don't know took offense to that and and really oh they got out, pissed off let's just call it what it is long <laughs> I mean truly long I mean this is like two pages of of just kind of ranting about, you know, became less about this being a show to just, uh, I guess, things at the Bujinkan in general. You know, I kind of want to summarize it because it's so long of, of oh, yes. what this person's really getting at. Um, but, wow, I, I guess we could kind of label this, hey, we got our first hate mail. We've made it. <laughs> yeah, so I woke up one morning, and because we're connected to each other on online, here's this. Bang! Right. Right. Um, it's funny because we never got any hate mail when it was called Kuden Podcast. We called it an internet-based radio show, and now, blah! yeah, <laughs> right. Everybody <laughs> just loses it. Well, not everybody. I mean, this person. Most of the people that have interacted with us, they were like, That's "Fantastic!" Because, <laughs> and here's if you've done the math, and you and I have done the math, right? We fired up Kuden in 2008. 2008, right? And it was called Kuden Podcast, right? So yeah. a podcast typically is something we, we, we went into a, a recording studio, we recorded it, and you tacked on some extra stuff and all that. We put it out. It was a recording, right? Yeah. We yeah. wanted people to interact with us, but nobody ever submitted anything. So we had to constantly come up with our own uh, topics and things like that, right? Yeah. So the the way of the world now with online newspapers and all kinds of stuff, stuff there's now lots and lots. Uh, and they're still using the term podcast, but uh, yeah. more and more people are calling them radio shows, internet-based radio shows, right? And you still get a recording, so, you know, it's still there. So we can kill two birds with one stone, and we find that people like this a whole lot. But since 2008, so we're talking nine years, we yeah. have only put 17 episodes in the can, not counting this one. So we decided, hey, look, you know, let's let's make this more of a, you know, a regular thing. And you know, you think of TV and radio shows, there's a certain day, certain bat channel, whatever that you tune into, and there it is, right? So um, that would keep us on track and hopefully allow people to be more interactive and, and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, and really cool give lots of people yeah. have liked the format. You know, yeah, yeah, we, this really exactly does sound more like it. a, it sounds more like a radio talk show, like a drive to work in the morning kind of thing. And that was our plan in the beginning as well. Because uh, we've all seen people on Facebook Live or whatever, great people, good lessons, but oh my God, you know, there's like no entertainment value. There's you know only the lesson, and and that's okay. I mean, it, it is what it is. But um, as a matter of fact, you and I talked about this before the show, and I just talked about this with somebody else that, that this person got upset about the entertainment value because a uh, yeah. TV show or radio show is not the place for ninjutsu. And I beg to differ because I have yet to go to Japan, and you've been there a couple of times. I've been there a lot. I have yeah. yet to be to Japan or a Tai Tai or anything where Soke is teaching and does a cool move, and 90% of the room erupts into applause. Like right. he's some trained monkey there to entertain them. Yeah. And I get it. They liked what he just did, whatever, okay? But if you look around the room, you'll see a handful of us not applauding, because we're still trying to process the move itself. And just like I was talking about with, uh, with Robert's question and this presupposition or this, this pre-programmed kind of response, I find it difficult to believe, 
based on my study of human nature, that the applause does not in part come from these people having a need to see this guy do cool stuff, whether it's an ego validation that they're in the right martial art or whatever it is, um, that now they've been entertained, right? It's, it's there. Not that they're not being educated, right? But here's this thing, right? I don't applaud. I, I think it's weird that people are applauding that the teacher did this thing and this magical moment happened that I want to be able to duplicate. If I'm applauding for something, I'm applauding an entertainer who did something neat on stage. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's, the mentality is different. You right? go to an acrobat so, show and say, wow, that's great, yeah. and clap your hands. But. So we wanted to be able to keep people awake for these things. So we thought we'd laugh and joke and have a good time and uh, laugh at people who think dumb things. Um, and I call them dumb not because they're different viewpoints than mine, but because typically they don't have the same kind of combat experience on the battlefield or on the street that I yeah. do. So, you know, Well, and, you know, and, and to add to that, too, you know, really some of this was about kind of just – our conversations, and, and I think the the conversations that happen in the dojo between a teacher and student that, you know, this kind of oh, gives a little right? look behind the curtain, peeling back. What is that like when a teacher talks with their student and a student asks, asks questions of their teacher in in this kind of realm and, and, and give people a chance to actually eavesdrop on that because it doesn't happen. You know, it just and doesn't happen Kudin, anywhere. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Kudin, avoid transmission. So um, it's beyond the scrolls. It's where the magic lies. So absolutely. But the other thing, the, the only part that I was really offended by, if I could call it offended or irritated by, mm. was not all of her ranting and all that, because I'm very accepting of people's perspectives. Just don't try to make me drink the same purple Kool-Aid, right? Um, the only thing that really ticked me a little bit was this person self-admitting that they had never listened to an episode. Yeah, right. So they had all these preconceived judgments about what this thing was or was not and its place or not place within the grand context of lessons, but they were admitting their own ignorance as to what it was even all about, so they were just going by a name. That'd be like walking down the street, meeting somebody for the first time, their name strikes you as funny, and you either laugh your ass off or you go off on them because whose parents could actually, like, name their child that, and you know what I mean, and making a whole freaking thing about it, yeah. because, but they know nothing about this person or their family or anything. It just screams, screams anger, pride, ignorance, hatred. It's, if it's not my way, it's wrong, um, and wow, yeah. wow. Well, you know, I really couldn't laugh. I couldn't help but laugh at all of this. Again, like you said, you know, clearly they hadn't listened. And uh, it, it, it's it, it, what struck, strikes me, too, is, is, is not only the ignorance, but clearly the level of, I guess, um, maybe pre-programming or, or you know, I, what I was left with was a greater question of, what else is going on? Because I, uh, if you know me, I I know really nothing about the politics of the Bujin Khan and how all of that I stuff plays like out. And I really could care less. But you know, it makes me wonder: what is this person exposed to often enough by others that when they see something like ours come up, they immediately lump us in with what is going on in the rest of the Bujin Khan or the greater martial arts ninjutsu community. Like, wow, what's, what's really going on out there? And are, is this person a little too close to that or connected to that or obsessed with that, that when, when something like this comes along, they miss probably what is a, a really great opportunity. This person probably would really enjoy this program if they listen to it to see that it is not what they believe it to be at this point. Yeah, and, uh, you know, based on some of the opinions that I've I've seen or some of the write-ups or insights and perspectives and all that, might have been somebody that we would have been more than happy to invite on the show uh, to yeah. discuss some things with. But uh, uh, how do I say this nicely? Well, no, I won't. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it nicely. <laughs> anyway, um, but the other thing that, that really jumped out was um, – uh, where was I going with that? Um, just a bunch of presuppositions about, you know, the best way to train, you know, is through books and all that and, and, you know, doing things the traditional way. And Then I got to thinking, okay, if we want things to be done the traditional way, 
and I'm bringing this up all the time, right? How far back, quote unquote, traditionally, are we talking? Do we go back beyond Hatsumi Sensei? Let's go to let's go to Takamatsu Sensei, right? Because often Hatsumi Sensei says he's the last ninja or whatever, right? When he's yeah. not calling himself a ninja, which somebody actually in one of the comments said, uh, anybody who says they're a ninja isn't really, right? So, <laughs> okay, um, Hatsumi Sensei has written books um, on and identifying himself as and all that. So, see, people just need to listen to themselves. Otherwise, their house of cards just freaking falls down, right? Yeah. And they just come across as being, uh, I don't know, stupid. How about if we go with that? Not ignorant, <laughs> stupid, okay? So, um, but, okay, so let's go back to that, right? Takamatsu Sensei hand-wrote lessons as books to Hatsumi Sensei on building fortresses, governing a province, all kinds of stuff that most people in the Bujinkan and any ninjutsu don't even associate with ninjutsu because they can't get their head out of the frickin' dojo, right? Or out of the mystical uh, meditation bliss realm or whatever. I meditate just like everybody else, but don't turn yourself into something that you're not. It's about developing clarity and authenticity not some kind of, you know, weird facade kind of thing going on. But anyway, so do we need to go back to a day where Hatsumi Sensei needs to take soot sticks and make his own ink and then handwrite each one of these books that have been published, except that we're not going to use a publisher, right? He's just going to handwrite them and give that out to a student and then have to do it again to get, we'll see, to that person now that would be stupid because we're going too far. Right. Except that my question is, since the ninja, way, way back, right, were a counterculture to the samurai ruling structure. And I don't mean they were the farmers, because that's a, that is a, it's been so proven to be a, a myth, right, that somehow these farmers were able to get an education and put together military tactics and all that from other fleeing generals and everything, that they were able to, like, you know, create this thing. It's not true, right? But they were a counterculture where the samurai believed that if it was good enough for my grandfather's grandfather, it's good enough for me. We don't change anything. Tradition is all important. And then you have this counterculture, right? Because the ninja, they they had money, they owned land, they had castles, all this kind of stuff, right? Their belief was <laughs> anything we can get to improve quality of life, you know, technology, whatever technology was of the day, right, to improve things, allow us to produce um, – more effort with less uh, energy, or more results with less effort and energy, sounds familiar, right? Okay, yeah. that was their that was their cornerstone, right? So, I find it difficult to believe that if they had printing presses or they had voice recorders or whatever, that the scrolls wouldn't look like that instead of soot-based ink and paper, which was at a premium, right? So. They operated with the technology that they had, right? So here we are, right? So how do I pass knowledge on to students? I'm not – I've got soot sticks and all that, and I can tell you it takes a long time just to make a little bit. So i got other things to do, guys, right? So we're using this. We're using this format, you know. Uh, how, <laughs> no, many, I think how many articles do I have out? I have 500-plus articles circulating right. for free that I put out there for people. Yeah, right? and, and I think it's around the internet. I think There's it's funny how some videos on YouTube, you know, yeah, this is ridiculous. I, I I really found it funny in in this this long letter uh, that that you know they mentioned that we should limit the use of technology, and it just it seems so counter to the idea of what ninja were back. Ninja, you know, if you want to get really historical, they were on the cutting edge of the technology of their day to the accomplish day. their goals. I mean, they were coming Absolutely. up with new technologies. They were innovating and creating in, weapons that exactly. didn't exist. So if you're not you know? using what the, the latest thing, uh, cutting edge technology to your advantage, then, then you're not really following the kind of premise <laughs> Set out, and I but, get tradition. I get tradition. Yeah, I get yeah. lineage. I get appreciating those things, right? But the most traditional thing I could do today, to borrow words from a past uh, teacher of mine, the most traditional thing I could do is not run around in these pantaloons that were made by tying your hakama to your legs and tabi and, you know, limiting my, my weaponry to swords or farming tools, right? So yeah. – uh, the most traditional thing I could do is not do those things. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, 
because I have access to better things that don't take as much time, effort, or money to produce or to buy and pick up, um, why would I do that, right? Unless I'm going to the Ren Fair and looking the part of a ninja or whatever because everybody there is playing dress-up, then – and what what's going to stand out? Or what's going to be more invisible? Me dressing like everybody else, walking down the street, interacting with people, or me dressing like this ninja, right? One of my favorite jokes is what what does best-dressed ninja wear? Same thing psychopaths wear. Same thing everybody else does, right? It's, you know, I, I remember one time I went to a Halloween uh, uh, costume party, and, you know, normally when I do things or I take my kids around trick-or-treating, I throw my uniform on, my gi on, and I put a boken in my belt, and I have tabby on and all that, and I dress up too, right? It was just easy for me because I had it, right? But yeah. my wife wanted to go to this party, and uh, she said, what are you, what are you uh, going as? And I said, I'm going as, going as a homicidal maniac. We look like everyone else, <laughs> right? So I went normally, and I just walked in. They went, oh, where's your costume? It's right here. You know, and then that was the joke for the night, and everybody thought yeah. that was like the most original thing, um, because it was, you know, here's the costume. So anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was just uh, people would have to read it to go into all this stuff. I mean, this person even alluded to, you know, if I'm going to do things for financial reasons and all that, you know, whatever. There's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. Um, my thought with that is, you know. What do I do? Do I just wander around the world like most people, hope I'm going to bump into somebody that's looking for this art and knows I do it, so they bring it up? Uh, yeah, no, they don't do that. They get on Facebook and they post how cool this stuff is, or they meet people and they tell them what they do and how cool it is and you should come to class. Um, that's word-of-mouth advertising, mm -hmm. right? And there's a whole bunch of other ways to get a payout or a payoff from this kind of training other than money. And one of those is egocentric activity that gets other people on board with you and other people to tell you that you're right. It's an ego payoff. Yeah. Actual currency didn't – money didn't change hands, but a certain type of currency certainly did. And I benefited from it, right? So do I offer programs that people are looking for for training? Yes. I don't make any qualms about that. But the amount of free stuff I put out, this person obviously doesn't know me or has a preconceived notion that thing needs, things need to be a certain way. And nobody in the Bujinkan needs to be talking about anybody making money because all you have to do at 3,000 and a person count how many people show up for classes yeah. in Japan. Right? So, and, you know, Hatsumi Sensei writing books. Well, see, that's how we learned the stuff. Yeah, I know. That's how Hatsumi Sensei shared the information, but that was also a business card. It's also a marketing piece. Right. How did Hatsumi Sensei become a celebrity? He wrote books. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, anyway. Well, and, and how about the, the growing, this is something I noticed on my last trip, the growing amount of time that there is a, a stop down of class for, you know, a, a art session uh, and, and how folks like to line up oh know, it's getting more and more right art done by soke and and you know he and some of these people are trying to get so two well done in a class or what three is done in a class. yeah 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 or they're there so, for two you know, weeks and they bring back a new piece of paper to every single class right 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 they're not, and see they're not paying to come to class to learn something they're coming yeah. to go to an amusement park be entertained and have a good time and take home souvenirs yeah. Period. Yeah. Right. Are they getting some education? Yeah, in spite of ego, sure they are. But it's a cool thing. They're mm -hmm. meeting the celebrity. They're getting something. They get bragging rights. All of that is a form of currency, whether people want to admit to it or not. And this yeah. may sound brash, and this may sound off, but you know what? It's just, just like an Armikyo uh, preparatory uh, 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 the, the setup for things, right? There are these 18 preparatory practices leading into the visualization and all that, right? One of these things is you reach into this container and you take a pinch of powdered incense. You know mm -hmm. this, right? Mm -hmm. You put mm -hmm. most of it on the palm of the other hand, and then what's left on between your fingers, you touch on your tongue and you taste it while thinking this is the taste of truth. 
and then you rub the stuff together on your palms and rub it on the five points of your body while thinking this is the feeling of truth. But you've tasted powdered incense, yes? Mm-hmm. No matter how sweet or how nice that smells when it's just laying around or when it's cooking off, yeah, that is the most bitter taste, yeah, yeah. and that's the lesson. This right. is the taste of truth. So stop hanging around with people that are telling you how great you are and how wonderful you are and how much you understand because you're taking time away from your learning process. If you need that, you're building up pride. And as Hatsumi Sensei's article that I talked about earlier says, pride goes before the fall. Because we like to think, ego likes to put us into a position where we are God. And I don't care what your religion is and whether that's an offensive statement or not because you think you don't. But every time you expound that you know everything, and I certainly do not. That's why I drop four grand at a time every time I go to Japan, and I don't applaud, and I fill up notebooks because I don't go to Japan for them to tell me how great I am or to get rank. I hate that whole rank process. I go to Japan for for them to tell me how much I suck, what I need to fix, and I'm going to be taking that home and working on it for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, but I can see it see the looks in people's eyes when they're in Japan. You know, they learn a technique and they're barely working on it in class. But you can see the look on their eyes and sometimes they even hear it. And what I hear and see is can't wait to get back to show the guys this. You just learned it. You didn't even work it into your <laughs> muscle system yet. You haven't <laughs> right. even internalized it yet. And you're not perfect with it. But you can't wait to go back and show people what the crippled version of something you don't understand. Yeah, that's retarded, yeah. right? That's why the, the that's why ninety percent of the friggin' Bujinkan don't know the basics that they're supposed to know because they're the the new guys that's joined today or five years ago or ten years ago or whatever um, during Hatsumi Sensei's second phase of teaching or third phase of teaching they didn't they missed the first phase fifteen years mm-hmm. ago twenty years ago they mm-hmm. missed all that mechanical stuff so. You know, they join the dojo, and what they're getting is the high-level, woo-woo, 10th to 15th on stuff, and they're trying to mimic this stuff, and they feel like, ooh, I move like sensei. No, you don't. You move like you, misunderstanding what it is that you're supposed to be doing. So anyway, and this this is the thing that gets me fired up and ranting. But anyway, it is. Ranting. Yeah, you know, and and you know, my opinion too is kind of the the this letter goes on to you know be in this vein of like things that need to be fixed with the Bujinkan and these people that are you know in here diluting it. Uh, I I wouldn't lift a finger to fix a thing of it because I think the folks you know, from yourself on up to Soke, have this understanding of the people that are there to get what they think they're getting out of it versus the people who are there to get the real training out of it. And there's something to be said, I think, for that layer of crap on top that you have to, as a as a student, have the responsibility to wake up and see through that to get to that next level. Otherwise, you're welcome to hang out in the sludge of everything else and Stoke your ego, and well, it keeps the art going because it keeps fine. It keeps funding the people so they can have a living to continue to, you know, you know. You know, and the reality from 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 an egocentric point of view, the reality is that we are all a problem with the Bujinkan, and I'll explain that. We're all a problem with the Bujinkan because there are these factions and collectives that have their unifying beliefs. So anybody that doesn't believe that is a problem because it's not theirs, right? So I'm a problem because I point out that people should be training a certain way because I've been in actual combat, and if you're not doing, thinking, or seeing things from a certain perspective and you don't cover certain things in your training, you're going to die. But to people that just want to look good and, and get ranked because they impress somebody with a quick move or they're showing off or whatever, oh, I'm an asshole, right? So uh, – so we're all a problem, but we're all a problem among everybody else. And the biggest thing that people are missing is that there are several different forms of ninjutsu, right? So which form are you practicing? And that's for a whole other mm-hmm. lesson, a whole other class or whatever. I mean, if people are really interested, I think that Ninja no Hachimon goes into that stuff. Uh, but again, yes, I'm offering a program. Um, so, um, but I, I have a, I think I have an ebook too, right? So. Um, so I don't even know what I have anymore. I produce so many freaking programs for people. Um, yeah. But 
the whole first module of the Ninja no Hachimon, the eight gates of the ninja, that if you were going to call yourself a ninja in H Japan, you had to be doing these things, right? So starting with the very term, the very kanji for ninja, and going into the three aspects, right? The, the body that can adore, the mind that can adore, the spirit or perspective that allows for endurance. Yeah. Well, you know, they go on, they go on in this letter too to mention about, you know, it only makes people laugh at all of the, us. And uh, again, I think back to these stories about the ancient ninja that, you know, they, they never seemed to want to eliminate any bad press, right? Because it was all to their advantage. Uh, so, oh, you know, absolutely. Nobody wants to laugh at all of us. Let That's people think what they laugh. want. Absolutely. Let people think what they want. People are their own worst enemies. Yeah. They didn't try yeah. to fix the, the myths and all that, like people are trying to run around today and, oh, no, the ninja, you know, they didn't do that. Kind of... Yes, they did. Yeah. If they need to sell assassination to feed their families, you bet they're better as they use their skills to feed their families. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, whatever. So um, what bothers me is that people have a little bit of information, and I'm certainly not an expert in all of this, right? I've just trained with a bunch of people, including historians that can read documents that, you know, nobody's seen, right? Yeah. But anyway, so um, what what everybody wants to do is run around and be the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, and they want to sound like they're the one who knows how everything should be done. And nothing screams egocentric more than it's my way or the highway, right? I have the definitive answer. I don't have the definitive answer for anybody. What I tell people is this is my perspective on the training from a self-protection perspective and a personal development perspective. So if you want to do just traditional kata and you want to train just that way, I do. But then once I get through seeing how the technology was developed and how it was done, then I can look at how that would apply today or how I would use the traditional kata against somebody throwing an uppercut, right hook, whatever, not a ski, right? So yeah. if you want to look at this from the perspective of real-world 21st century Self-defense, great. I might have something that I can help you with, right? But if this is all about you being another museum curator who wants to crystallize this art and turn it into something more samurai-ish or more of that kind of thing where it becomes a relic that the only use that you have for it is to impress people with how much you know and, you know, your cool moves and all that, then I'm not your guy. Yeah. So – uh, I'm not trying to be everything to everybody, and I'm certainly not here to tell Hatsumi Sensei or the Bujinkan or whatever what he or it should be or whatever. Um, you know, I've always been on the fringe, so it's okay. It's it's absolutely okay, right? And people would be much better off if they just looked at people doing things that weren't what they're doing and said, you know what, that's okay. For me, they're going to be a negative role model. But I'm not going to go around trying to get other people into my camp using that group over there as my calling card, that's like politicians. You yeah. can't scream about the way politicians run a campaign and how they don't really say why they're uh, qualified. They just knock the other guy down and then turn around and do the same crap in your own life just in different content. It's just exactly. that, that's yeah. hypocrisy, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's not ninja. That's hypocrite. So, yeah. Uh, you know, but so I don't do that, right? I see what these other people are doing. We may make reference here or there just to make the point that, look, there's a flaw in that approach from this perspective. Is there a yeah. flaw in it from what they're doing? No, they're achieving the results they wanted. They got ranked. They know these these skills. To them, it's a martial arts choice among martial arts choices. It's the best. It's whatever. Great. They're happy. Hatsumi Sensei is one of the most wind people I know. He just wants people to be happy. So he has spent a career until a couple of years ago telling everybody what they were doing was right. It's fine. Good. Yeah. In the past couple of years, he's really put his foot down, and messages have been coming out in class from Shihan about uh, Westerners not acting Japanese in Japan, uh, you know, not having proper etiquette, uh, yeah. you know, all kinds of things, right? So uh, not having proper respect for people, all kinds of crap, right? The things that people generally don't want to hear. So, um, you know, so because everything's been touchy-feely and soft training and whatever, but, you know, and I love Sensei to death, 
but he's kind of created the monster. Right? Hmm. He did. He let everybody do whatever they wanted. And they did. And they took it too far. So here we are. Right? But I'm not going to argue with people like this. I just, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. But we do what we do. There's a reason that this is out. I'm not changing anything. Um, unless people, you know, if, if folks that are listening to this, don't feel offended by the word podcast, and it's perfectly acceptable, but they are by radio show. And you know, we were going to talk about the fact that this person said that uh, TV and radio shows are not the place for Ninja 2 and, and not, a, not an avenue for that, except that I will be posting on the Kuden podcast page a video of a 1960s TV show called Ninja 2 something. I can't remember it. Um, that Hatsumi Sensei and students are actually performing Ninja 2 techniques uh, with long staff and all that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I have clips of 60s and 70s TV shows that Hatsumi Sensei is on there showing off with Shuriken, talking about Ninja 2, all this kind of stuff. All the things that this person in this hate uh, post said yeah. shouldn't be done. So, again, ignorance of history, you know, there it is. So, well, that... Uh... Anyway. That gave us a, a good full easy hour of stuff to talk about between Robert's question and, and this fun hate mail. That was that was great. That was awesome. So, so uh, and we have a whole other so question yet to get to uh, for Roberts for next week yet, and and any more that may come in over the next week. So, yeah, let me just check the uh, the webcast just to see if something popped in, uh, question, comment, whatever, uh, before okay. we wrap this up. But I I had a good time. Is there anything else you want to throw in on any of that stuff? Uh, from the student's perspective, or, well, you're a Shidoshi now, so I bow to your awesome uh, halo of a glow. Uh, <laughs> oh, love it. No, no, yeah. I think I've kind of hit my points, too, with uh, with with my humble opinion on it. But, uh, yeah, I hope, I would I would kind of close to, to say, I would love to talk to this person. I, I would hope they hear this, go back and hear this, and actually listen to our different uh, Kuden podcasts to its evolution of this show, and uh, I I would just love to. Have and if a they do, this is for them. If, this person, if great. they do, and this is for them, do not go through like is uh, uh, popular these days, and miss the whole context of the message, yeah. and go looking for little words, phrases, or sound bites uh, that and some, now somebody's calling the dojo that you can turn into some slight or offense or whatever, right? That you're going to hone in on this thing, take it completely out of context. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like we had any questions come in from the Q&A side on the, on the webcast. So with that, uh, I know you've got class to get to and it's a Friday. So people probably have to get back to their, their work days or what have you, but we've got this will be available online. Tonight, so uh, listen to, Oh, wow. Spring camp. Phenomenal. This is, yeah, this is the start of a long, long weekend. So it'll be See, cool. Now I'm going to have so, FOMO all weekend long. My my fear of missing out will be in full effect. Oh, good. Weekend. I'll be pouting. <laughs> my wife will be like, why are you pouting all weekend? It's been crazy. You know, we video, you know, we video record the whole weekend and everything, right? And the, and the videos are available. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just being there is so much better, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I know. But uh, same thing I tell everybody else to tell me that uh, – you know, live training is better, but if yeah. you can't or won't, yeah. then yeah. do what you can or go find yourself a good Taekwondo school. Stop talking <laughs> about ninja too. So there, there it is, right? So, uh, but anyway, uh, you're 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 at a level in the training and all that, and, and you're in my inner circle, so yeah, you're actually going to get access to the video, so you're not going to miss the lessons. You're just going right. to miss the friendship and all that cool stuff that. Uh, you know, might cause you to applaud when I do something cool. Yeah, well, I uh, yeah. I don't get as many bruises watching the videos as if I was. That's there. right. That's right. That's right. When that technology changes, I, I will <laughs> guarantee I will figure out something so that people can experience a bad technique <laughs> or a mistake on their part. Right. Okay, so anyway, all right, man. Uh, um, it's been fun. Uh, I yeah. don't see anything else that's come in. Let me just do one last little check, just. To, I have to hit this refresh button. Yeah, I don't see anything. So uh, we either put them to sleep or we offended them. Uh, or, well, if we offended them, people can usually anonymously tell us that we're asses. <laughs> but uh, I don't see that either. So uh, maybe people are just working and then listening to it. Uh, 
to work. And that's we'll have to work harder so, on offending somebody for next week. Yeah, so we are officially this is the first episode officially of this thing being a weekly radio show. So two thirty right. Eastern time uh next week, right? Same back right. channel, same ninja time, whatever. Uh yeah, so we'll have other things. Cool. So in the if in the uh in the meantime, uh get to the Kuden podcast page if you're on Facebook. Uh you can submit some questions and all that. We'll post another event for next week's thing so you can keep your questions in there and we know where to find them. Uh, there's also a link in there somewhere to get on the subscriber email list because uh, sometimes I send out extra things. So you can get on there uh, and also you'll get early notifications and reminders that, um, you know, about the, the, the shows as they're coming up. So, and that's also the quickest, easiest way for us to get the recording out to you. So, uh, yeah, do those things okay? or not. But uh, if you want more, do those things. If you don't, then I uh, wish you well. Right? So anyway, awesome. that's it. Great. Yeah, cool. We'll see you all well. next week. Thank you for listening to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, 